0: So we're starting a brand new study tonight in the book of Philippians. Philippians is a—it's—it's it's a very short letter to a church in Philippi. It's only four chapters long, and uh, it's going to take us a few weeks to go through it. But tonight. I tell you, I I was flipping back and forth, couldn't decide what to to uh, call the the uh, study tonight. I went all over the map, and finally I said, "Okay, I'm going to call it Boldness for Christ in the midst of conflict." And then I was like, "No." Then I was thinking of Paul and he was saying how he thanked God for the remembrance of them. He thanked God for them. And I was like, okay, thank God for you. And so then I went to bed and I woke up. I'm like, no, it's going to be the boldness for Christ. And then uh, anyways, well, it ends up being thank God for you. Thank God for you. The birthing of a church the birthing of a church as we looked at the series the whole series we've entitled centered in christ when we're centered in christ uh what will that develop in us what will that cause us to be so philippi it's a it's a town it, it was in Ma, in the region of macedonia and in in 42 bc it was taken over by uh the roman uh, colony after a great civil war and i'm not gonna go into all the details of that there's too many names of augustus and caesar and all these other individuals But, um, and then you know what happens when you go into all the history, which is important to some degree, then you miss on the time of the word. So I'm going to just give you a snapshot, and and you go and you Google it or get out. Once upon a time, we used to have Encyclopedia Britannica. If you have such a thing existing in your house, blow the dust off of it and look it up. Look up Philippi. But anyways, as a result of it being taken over as a roman colony in 42 bc um it was transformed in what they looked at as being a little rome so here is this greek city Um, under the Roman influence and under the Roman um, jurisdiction. And so anybody that would have been born in Philippi after that time would have been considered a Roman citizen. So there was 40% Roman citizens in Philippi and 60% Greek. And though the majority of the people were Greek, it was Latin-speaking community. Interesting as that may be, so at the time of the writing of Philippians, um, there was only about ten thousand, maybe fifteen thousand people in the community, and um, so we 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 know this little bit. And we don't really learn about the Philippian church from the book of Philippians. In order to know about how this church was birthed and how it came about, we have to go back into the book of Acts and we have to visit the missionary journey of Paul it was his second missionary journey and in Acts chapter 15 I'm just going to summarize before we get into the heart of chapter 16 of when this church was birthed but in Acts chapter 15 Paul and Barnabas had come back from their first missionary journey and they took a bit of a break And after they had rested for some time and determined it was time again to go on another missionary journey, Barnabas says, hey, let's bring alongside with us John Mark. And John, and and Paul's like, are you kidding me? You want to bring John Mark with us on this second journey? Barnabas. John Mark is the one who left us mid-journey the last time. I do not want him along with us. We will go alone. Anyways, the two men get in a heated disagreement. In other words, they had an argument. These godly men had an argument, believe it or not. And they are arguing whether or not this young fellow, John Mark, should come along. And, of course, Barnabas, his name... uh, encourager means encourager uh, would you would understand why he would want John Mark to come along in this missionary journey Paul uh, says no way no how and he decides he's gonna go on with Silas and so the team breaks off this this team that was once one of Paul and Barnabas now breaks off into two. Barnabas decides he's going to go ahead and, and, and travel with John Mark, and Paul travels with Silas. And as they are traveling, um, they come to a, a town and they meet up with a young man. They they get to Derby and, and Lystra, and they meet up with this disciple named Timothy. Now, we all know Timothy. Timothy was the son of a Jewish woman, uh, and um, she was a believer... But her husband was a Greek man and he was not a believer. And uh, Paul feels stirred in his heart that he wants Timothy to travel with them on this missionary journey. And so he takes Timothy and we can understand that now Timothy is coming in under that job title, helper kind of guy as maybe John Mark would have been when he was traveling with Paul and Barnabas. But uh, there's this issue now, if Timothy is going to travel with, with Paul, um, he needs to be circumcised because his mom is a Jewess his father is a greek and so if if they were to go into any communities that there was a synagogue and if paul were to minister to to or want to minister in the synagogue timothy would not be allowed to come in because the rule at that time that in order to be in the synagogue if you were to enter in all men entering in would have to be circumcised so paul circumcised um timothy And uh, Timothy joins them on the missionary journey. And um, so then, picking up in Acts chapter 16, verse 6, it says, And they went through the region of uh, Fig... uh, Well... Anyways, Phiagria phy, anyways Galatia. And and having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak a word in Asia, and when they came to Messiah they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Messiah, they went down to troas and a vision appeared to paul in the night a man of macedonia was standing there urging him saying come over to macedonia and help us and when paul had seen the vision immediately we sought to go on into macedonia concluding concluding that god had called us to preach the gospel to th- them. so then we get Paul going to Macedonia and when he gets into Macedonia you know it's it's like a 1200. Or, or so kilometer journey. So when, when we read it in the, in the passage here, it seems as though, you know, they got in their car and they were in Macedonia within the hour, like how we talk here. Okay, I'll be there within the hour. But it did, this wasn't just a, a quick journey. When he has this dream and then travels, he's, he's traveling some 1,200,000 kilometers. There, that's months if the average man in those days would travel anywhere from 20 to 30 kilometers a day this wasn't just something that they arrived there the next day so when they did arrive Paul is seeking for a place where he could meet and pray. If he could find a place where the men have gathered to pray, then he has room to preach the word of God. He has room to share the gospel. And so in searching for a place, he finds none. You see, in in that time, in order to have a synagogue, there had to be the accumulation of at least 10 men praying. 10 men gathering together. So it says in, in uh, chapter 16... Um, Philippi, uh, okay, let's see now. We remained in the city, uh, verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the woman who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us, saying, if you have judged me, To be faithful to the lord come to my house and stay and she prevailed upon us so in search of a group of men in search of a synagogue that they can go and bring the the gospel to they do not find one yet they find this woman and they are gathered together and in sharing with them lydia is a worshiper of god and what happens the lord opened her heart to pay attention the lord opened her heart to pay attention there was something that as paul began to speak her heart was hungry to hear more it wasn't that she was already a worshiper of God, so we know that she believed in God. But there was something that, as Paul was speaking, grabbed hold of her heart or laid hold of her heart, that she wanted to know this Jesus in a personal way. And do you know that she, according to the history of, of that area, she was the first woman in she was the first person in europe to become a believer in the lord jesus christ the first believer in europe was lydia the first one to be baptized was lydia according to history if history is right it's history and so here she was And she she comes to believe in what Paul is sharing, and she becomes baptized, and she asks them to, to come and stay at their house. And she offers to host him and his companions, but anyhow, the story continues on. Paul and, and Silas uh, goes, go into the, the city and it says here in verse 16, And we were going to the place of prayer where we, met, where we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. Now, here's the interesting thing about this spirit of divination that was upon this young girl. This spirit of divination... Was called a Pneuma Pythona. Pneuma Pythona, does that sound anything familiar to anyone in this room? Pneuma Pythoma. It's a snake, a python snake, yeah. It is the python spirit. A python spirit was upon this uh, young woman so any person born into a family uh, that has the the uh, nature of palm reading tarot card reading any usages of uh, ouija board any occultic practices would naturally be one that is um inclined to be led by this python spirit the Old Testament calls it familiar spirits what are some qualities of these Python spirits is it loves to flatter she did that in fact this young slave girl flat tried to flatter because she said these men Acts 16 verse 17 these men are servants of the Most High who who proclaim to you the way of salvation well what she was saying is true But she was doing it for flattery. She was doing it to gain attention to herself. See, the python, if you consider the python snake, it also wants to suck everything good out of you. It wants to suck the very life out of you. And so it loves to flatter. It also demands attention. By her yelling behind Paul and Silas, these men, these men are servants of the Most High. She's drawing attention to herself because people are like, what is she yelling about? Who is that? And they're all looking upon her. And then afterwards, she would be able to practice her ways because people would have recognized her to be that one girl that's one behind paul and silas it loves to be seen and heard loves to be seen and heard and so this python spirit that was operating on this slave girl was drawing attention to itself she kept putting herself at this as the center of attention god has brought paul and silas there with a with a perfect mandate to preach the good news of jesus christ and the and the enemy has slithered his way in the enemy has slithered his way in through this young girl because why the python spirit comes to suck the life out of you and so before anybody could hear the good news of the gospel before anybody could hear the life-changing news of jesus christ Before he could breathe into them the newness of life eternal, the enemy wanted to come and snuff out that life. The python spirit snuck his way in through this this young slave girl. It wants to be important. And it always has a monetary motive. And this is true because what happened was... When um, this spirit, it says, Paul got so frustrated with this spirit. spirit, He was so annoyed by it that he turned to this young girl and he says to her. in, In verse 18, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. Then what happened was her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone and they seized paul and silas and they dragged them into the marketplace before the ruler see that spirit is still trying to have the attention on itself because its motive is monetary gain it wants to have that monetary gain and there when they were brought into the into the uh, market square square we know that they were beaten with rods this is all part of the history of the Philippi church because what happens as they're being beaten with rods, they get thrown into um, jail because Paul says to them. Um, Well, here, verse 20. And when they had brought them into the the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods and when they had inflicted many b- blows upon them they were, they threw them into prison ordering the jailer to keep them safely having received this order he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks they were put into shackles if the if enemy is not going to try and prevent the word from going forth, if he's not going to try and snuff it out one way, he's going to try and hold the one who's... Bre- Uh, bringing the word of God and declaring it he's going to try and hold them captive and so what did Paul and Silas do there they were in that jail and there they were bound and they began to sing the praises of God and at the midnight hour there comes a shaking and when the shaking takes place the doors of the prisons are of the of the prison is open but yet Paul and Silas do not Move. Paul and Silas remained there. When the guard comes and sees that the doors are open, he is frightened and he's about to flee for his life. And Paul says to them, Don't, Paul cried out with a loud voice, Don't harm yourself because we're all here. Oh, he wanted to flee, but he wanted to kill himself. Uh, verse 27. supposing that the prisoners had escaped but paul says no don't bring harm to yourself for we're all here and the jailer called for the lights and rushed in trembling with fear and he fell down before them paul and silas and then he brought them out and said sirs what must i do to be saved and they said had believed in God Lydia and this jailer they were they were the what comp, uh, comp, composed the the um, the church of Philippi I'm sorry there is just something going on outside the window there and so they were the they were the beginning congregation if you want to say of the church of, of Philippi and Paul said in Thessalonians 2 verse 2, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict in the midst of everything that was going on, even though we were beaten even though we were treated poorly because Paul was a Roman uh, as as we if we were to turn the page what happened Paul saw Paul said to them they have beaten us publicly uncondemned men who are Roman citizens verse thirty seven and have thrown us into prison see they had Gone against treating their very own here Paul was a Roman citizen and they were thrown into into jail why because they were presumed to be coming in bringing in their Jewish customs and ways and it's like put them into jail and Paul wanted to have an apology and They did come and apologize. But this is how the church of Philippi was birthed. It was birthed right here by Lydia. It was birthed by here, the jailer and his family. And what happened? They were baptized. And this church, as we open up Philippians 1, verses 1 to 11 that we are going to look at tonight it was necessary to go and visit acts chapter 16 so we can understand how this church was even born into being have you ever wondered you come to logos christian family church what's the history of logos church how did it get here why is it on this property How long has it been here? Has there ever been any thoughts as to the historical of the place where you're meeting and worshiping? When we look at Philippians, how did this church come to be? so let's read verses 1 to 11 paul and Timothy, servants of jesus christ to all the saints in christ jesus who are at philippi with the overseers and deacons grace to you and peace from god our father and the lord jesus christ i thank my god in all my remembrance of you Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. So, so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. So here after looking at the history of, of the Philippian church and how it came to be, history tells us that... Epaphrodites a man in the church, came to visit Paul. And when he came to visit Paul, Paul was in jail. And uh, he brought Paul a gift. This gift was a gift of, of offering. You see, the Philippian church supported Paul. And, and, they, would, and, and they would take care of him. And so Epaphrodites brought this gift to Paul. And while he was there with him, he'd come sick. And so Paul scribes this letter to Epaphrites, to the church of Philippi, but it wasn't for a little short period yet before he was able to bring him that letter, and bring them that letter. And, And so the first thing that Paul says is, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Now it's necessary for us to notice that he said, Paul and Timothy, because it's been ten or twelve years since Philippi, the church in, Philippi, in, in the Philippian church had been established, and so evidently now, when he's saying Paul and Timothy, he is letting us know that Timothy has matured. In his place of ministry, he's now no longer just the little tag along assistant that, you know, yes, Paul, yes, Barnabas, oh, can I get you some water? Is there anything you need? He has now matured in his walk and he's matured in his service before the Lord. And Paul is making note of him as being with him. And immediately we know that there's also been an, a change in the infrastructure of this church. We know that this church is no longer just Lydia and her family it's no longer just a jailer in his family but this church has grown because he says with the overseers and deacons this church has grown considerably because it has a board of overseers board of elders a board of deacons and so it's functioning as a church unit so timothy he's no longer paul's tag along timothy has grown in christ and and the and the church has grown in number because they have elders and and um, board board members but paul says this um great uh, paul and timothy servants of christ jesus to all the saints in christ jesus who are at philippi with the overseers and deacons Grace to you and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul and Timothy what was paul paul considered himself to be an apostle who was ordained by god in galatians 1 he says that he was ordained by god not man and timothy timothy was an evangelist evangelist preacher at that time and timothy paul encouraged him in um First Timothy, I believe it is, uh, to to remember the the call that was placed upon him through the laying on of hands. Timothy, my fellow worker, um, he. Oh, I, I'm sorry. He, he encouraged Timothy because Timothy was an evangelist and, and Timothy's call came by the laying on of hands of Timothy 4.14. Um, do not neglect the gift that you have which was given to you by prophecy when when the council of elders laid their hands upon you so both of them had authority to operate as leaders in the church both of them were appointed just because Paul said that he was appointed by God does not make that Timothy's calling was less they were both appointed by God but what happened was Paul as we know on the road to Damascus had a visitation with God had a visitation with the Lord. They were both servants, and their main task was to do the will of the Lord. And that's why he says, Servants of Christ Jesus. Not only had Timothy uh, matured, not only had the church grown, but now Paul says to them this. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is referring to all that God had done to save them. What's the acronym that we all know so well? God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace When when Paul is blessing them, grace, it's referring to everything that God had done for them. It was his favor upon their lives. And then when he inserts, and peace... Peace is the result of that grace. What happens when you come to encounter the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life? You come to encounter peace. What does that peace do? It dispels guilt. It dispels shame. It dispels fear. It dispels the baggage of the old man that wants to hold you captive. Now grace allows you to see yourself how God sees you. And so instead when we come with the greeting of grace and peace we are saying the favor of all that God has done for you the favor of everything that comes in knowing Christ and in knowing Christ we have peace and in that gift of salvation we have the deliverance from our fears our bondages and our shame and our sin and we get to experience joy and confidence in Christ so when he's greeting them this grace and peace is not just like we say today hey how are you he's greeting them with the abundance of the package that they have received in Christ grace and peace to you when I greet you that way it immediately at that time would stir up within their heart yes by God's grace I am saved yes By God's grace, I am here today, Paul. Yes, because Paul, once upon a time, you came to Philippi. Paul, you shared the gospel with Lydia. Paul, the church was planted here, and now I come to know of this grace that you first shared. When he greeted them, it reminded them of the work of the cross and the grace and the freedom and the salvation that they received. Paul continues... And he says to them, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you making my prayer with joy. I thank my God for all my I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Why? Because he says because of your partnership in the gospel from this first day until now. He is filled with joy whenever he thinks of them. You see, because when he had to write a letter to the church of Galatia what did he say to them he he was he was concerned he says i'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you you see philippi the the church in philippi was something that encouraged him it was a it was a memory it was a church that brought him joy because everything that he had poured out in delivering the gospel of the salvation of the lord jesus christ was still happening the people were still walking in that grace but when he had to write the letter to Galatia to the church in uh, in Galatia he had to correct them because they were already quickly leaving the gospel of their salvation they were already quickly being bewitched by what was happening by the other doctrines coming in so this church was perhaps Paul's favorite child Paul's favorite child because why he had a good relationship with them they were faithful they were generous they were they carefully followed the teachings they had grown in size they had grown in maturity and they they showed their gratitude towards Paul why because we already know that they sent a gift towards him and so he completes his heart with th- of thanks and he says this in verse 6 I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart for you are all par- partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. I am sure that everything that's been happening to you up to this point, I'm not just sure, I'm confident he affirms them that God will complete what he has started he wants them to know that he is going to live out his full plan in that church God is not going to leave them aborted he is going to to complete that which he has started within them and so when when uh, Paul says to them uh, um, I'm I am sure of this that he who began a good work. Okay, it is right for me to feel this way about you, verse seven, uh, because I hold you in my heart. When he is telling them, for for um for that time in those Greek communities, they could relate to this because if he is saying with my whole heart, he is speaking to them from a very deep place. He is saying to them. That uh, I feel this way because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers of me in grace. I'm holding you in my heart because you've been on my mind. I think about you and when I think about you, my heart is just full we've all partaked uh, we've all partaken of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and when I think about you and I think of how the church is excelling and how generous of a people you are and in other words how you are displaying God's love to other people my heart becomes full and so I can confidently say out of that Full place that i know that i know god will complete his work within you he will complete that which he has started within you god knows and only paul knows how deep of a place this comes from god knows exactly how how paul has prayed concerning the church of philippi he misses the people he misses that fellowship with them remember covid when we couldn't come to church didn't you miss being with your brothers and sisters didn't it feel weird I mean it felt weird for me on a Sunday morning to get out of bed get dressed and turn on my computer and I never got to say, hey, God bless you. Hi, how's it going? How was your week? So how are you doing? And, and, and touch base with people regarding any prayer requests. That they Didn't it seem weird to be so distant from each other? We had a computer to keep us connected. We tried our very best to make ongoing phone calls to keep the family of God connected and keep in touch to know what were the prayer needs of the house. But there was a disconnect and Paul, though he was away from them and though he had been in jail for some 10 years at this point, he is missing the church of Philippi. He is missing them. He's missing that communication with them. He's longing to go and see how they're doing. And all that he has is this report that Epaphrites brought to him that, of how the church is doing. All that he has is this support they're providing for him but he longs to be with them in the one-on-one and so it from that longing place he prays for them and only god and paul know exactly how he prayed but he says to them how i hold you in my heart come on think of yourself right now who do you hold in your heart Who means so much to you that you are regularly going before God about them? Who has captured your heart? This is what Paul is wanting the readers to understand. Do you get it, Philippi? Do you get it, the congregation of Philippi? I hold you in such an endearing place. That I go to my father and I know, because I know what I have prayed, that he will complete that what he started. And he's faithful. And so he continues on. He wants to be reunited with them. He wants to display his love towards them. You know, when he says, my heart is yearning to be with you, He's not saying it in, in the wrong worldly sort of a sense. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all, verse 8, with the affection of Christ Jesus. It's not in, in, a, in a derogatory sense. That is a way of how we just talked about. During COVID, when we were broken in our, in our, in our time with each other, we yearn to be with one another. It's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. If we go on to verse 9 and 11, so that you, verse 10, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul prays that their love will grow according to knowledge, not just affection. Not just affection, not just attraction, but something that is based on something deeper. Something that is based on a deep knowledge of God's love. That their love would grow. That it would be motivated by the knowledge of who God is. The knowledge of God's will for other persons. You see, Paul was the type of person that if he knew you had a custom of not eating meat he would not eat meat in front of you least that he would be a hindrance towards you he was that kind of person that regarded your spiritual walk in how he displayed himself in front of you because he did not want to be that one that would hinder you he didn't want to be that one that would judge you out Throw up. It's okay to eat meat. It's blessed of God. Go ahead. Eat it. He took it that if your conviction was that. Romans 14 speaks about it. You can go for yourself and read uh, uh, on your own time. Romans 14. And see how God handled. And how he. Excuse me. How Paul handled. And how he encouraged us to handle. How we conduct ourselves with others. And so Paul did not come in the judgmental type of way. He was that type of man that understood the love of God to such a place that he wanted to be sensitive that your understanding of God's love for you would not be hindered in how he lived out his walk. Verse 7 of Romans chapter 14 says, For none of us lives... Or you, or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. He didn't want his freedom in knowing of God's grace and God's forgiveness. He didn't want that freedom to cause somebody else to be conflicted. Oh, I I don't partake of meat because don't forget a lot of these Jewish people didn't partake of certain foods because it was against their Jewish custom. And so when they would have come into grace, they would have brought their customs with them. And Paul wasn't about to be that one that would judge them. Paul is saying we are all going to stand before god and so he wasn't going to be conflicted with his conscience in in causing somebody to violate what what they felt convicted of in their walk before the lord so what paul was actually saying was you know what we have to have that agape love towards one another we looked at this last week we have to have that agape love in first corinthians 8 verse 1 it says paul says that knowledge not guided by love leads to pride and conversely love not tempered by knowledge and wisdom is often unfruitful and can lead to sin first corinthians 13 verse 2 says Paul says that to have knowledge, to have all knowledge, but no love is to be nothing. Oh, you could walk around and you can have all sorts of knowledge of the word of God. You can quote scriptures like the back of your hand. You can have them memorized, but if you hate your brother, you don't truly have the love that this scripture speaks of. You don't have truly the love that breathes these words into life. Because to know the scriptures is to know God, and to know God is to know love. And when you encounter that love, then you would not be walking in that boast to have all kinds of knowledge. Oh, well, the Bible says, oh, well, the customs of the word of God are, and yet you cannot stand the person that sits in front of you in church. Paul is saying, no, no, that's not love. The way in which we love is increased by how much we have knowledge of God's love. When you fully understand what God's love truly means, your love and your display of love to others would become deeper. Paul is praying that their ability to live out God's love would increase as they increased in their knowledge of God. You have been doing this so well. You've been a gracious church. You've faithfully served. You've been partakers with me. In other words, when I have led someone to the Lord, because you have been supporting me, because you have been praying for me, we are both partakers of the joy of seeing that one come to Christ. You see, when you sow into something, you become a partaker of that. True spiritual love is made up of knowledge that feeds wisdom and acts in faith and operates in hope. It feeds in wisdom, it acts in faith, and operates in hope. What's the wisdom? I know who God is. I know that God loved me enough to save me. Acts in faith, I'm going to share that same love that I experienced with you. Why? With hopes that you too will encounter the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. That you too would grow. Agape love is our response to the knowledge of God. That 's what it is it 's our response to the knowledge of God it's walking in obedience towards that love so that we can pour it out to others not because the person is worthy of love but because God sees them through his grace that deems them worthy so we Paul says um, in that that we are to operate in such a manner that our Knowledge of God is what then displays our love. That your love may abound more and more with the knowledge and all discernment. Why? So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Jesus said to his disciples by this all people will know john 13 35 by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another what's the demonstration of that love that god is asking us to have for one another what does that demonstration look like well first corinthians chapter 13 the love tap chapter displays it like this this is what love does love is patient love is kind it's trusting it's humble it's generous it's meek it's forgiving it's righteous it's persevering it's long-suffering this is what love does this is how we walk out God's love this is a demonstration of love that honors God what does a person who love become what what are they like then This is how they love. This is what love does. Love demonstrates patience. Love demonstrates kindness. Love demonstrates humility and and a generous heart. But what does that person who loves become? That person becomes a person of joy. That person becomes a person of peace. That person becomes a person of patience and kindness. That person becomes a person of goodness. And of faithfulness, and of gentleness, and of self-control. You see, Galatians 5.22 demonstrates who we become when we come into the knowledge of God's love. 1 Corinthians 13 demonstrates how we love when we come into the knowledge of God's love. Do you know that? notice the difference between the two lists? There isn't one. How do we love? We're patient. What does a person who knows, uh, um, who understands God's love, what are they like? They are patient. Look at 1 Corinthians 13 yourself and look at Galatians 5.22. And you compare the two lists. The person who loves because they understand God's love demonstrates patience, meekness, gentleness, humbleness. The person who, what, what type of character qualities come out of their life as a result of encountering God's love? It's the same thing as First Corinthians speaks of. Patience, faithfulness. The two lists corresponds. Why? Because God's word supports itself. Jesus demonstrates it so that we could live it out. God's word will never conflict itself and will never contradict itself paul is saying my prayer is that you will grow in the knowledge of god and that as you grow in the knowledge of who he is and that as you grow in that that your love may abound more and more So that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What if you were to start every day like this, like a Philippian day? What if you were to start and say, God, may I be as Lydia open my heart to pay attention to what you're saying to me. And God, as my heart is open before you to pay attention to all that you're saying to me, may I grow in the knowledge of knowing your love more and more and may that love abound in me and may it, Approve what is excellence that it would be pure and blameless What if you were to take that prayer that Paul was praying for Philippi the church of Philippi and turn it over and pray it over Yourself, how would you start your day? That grocery store visit would not be the same that person that is in the car in front of you going slow when you're late for work would have a totally different reaction from you after you've started your day praying that prayer. Because all of a sudden now, as you're paying attention to what he is saying to you, he he is speaking over you his love. And as you're coming into the knowledge of that love that is speaking over to your life, what will flow out of you? that same love for others all of a sudden now you're going to look at somebody that looks totally disheveled and your heart will melt with compassion for them you know in the whole letter of philippians as we unpack it over the next several weeks this is the one letter that Paul did not correct this church once instead he addresses their, their their love he addresses their joy it can't be said that of all the other letters that Paul has written, in the letters to the church of Corinth, in the letters to the church of Galatia and Ephesians, he's, he, he has to bring correction. Oh, but not when he's speaking to the Philippians. May we be more like the people of Philippi in this book. May we be more like those that are demonstrating a true knowledge of God's love to those that are around us father God we thank you for tonight and we just pray Holy Spirit that as we work through this book that you would open the eyes of our understanding would you open our hearts to pay attention to what you're saying to us may we be filled with the joy and the confidence of knowing that your love that has been poured out for our lives is not just for our personal self, but it is to be lived out through us to others. Jesus, be glorified in our lives, and may we return the glory to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, for those of us who joined us online, we welcome you back here Sunday morning. uh, And um, we pray that you would also join us tomorrow morning as Pastor continues his studies in the book of Numbers on Facebook Live. And uh, so God bless you and we'll see you again Sunday morning. Bye for now.